Welcome to the WEPC Discipleship Podcast, because the gospel changes everything. All right, we're going to get started. Good morning, everybody. Unbelievable. They're just chatting away in the background. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were all, you know, we were all excited. We're all excited. There's something about the sound machine of the chapel, the AC unit, that just sort of like lulls you to sleep. That's what I like to say. Um, is that what got you last weekend? Yeah. Yeah. This sound machine's not in here, though, John, so you have no excuse to fall asleep other than just being bored. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, welcome. We are, uh, we are in the red quadrant of our little circle of the spiritual life, of uh, what it means to uh, grow in the spirit. And so if you remember way back when, I just, just to give a little reminder about um, our little circle, is that we're talking about how we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And remember, when you grow with your when you love God with your mind, you're thinking doctrinally. You're thinking what's right, what's wrong. You're using your mind, right? Or when you love the Lord your God with all your soul, you know that's that's the wonder, that's the worship, that's the uh, enjoyment in arts. You know, this is the way we love God when we see. Uh, creation. We were, I was just at the men's retreat, and that's actually not just a beautiful place. We go to Crossroads Retreat Center in the mountains of Virginia. It's beautiful, uh, but also that was actually one of the themes of our speaker, Meredith Elder. He talked about on Friday night about um, how to love God in wonder. Like what is, and as we get older, we lose our wonder sometimes, you know, and uh, just how do we love God in wonder? That's, that's a really cool thing to think about. Um, and so that's this soul quadrant. And so, uh, and then how do we love the Lord our God with our strength? What are we doing? How, what are we, uh, not just what we believe, not just, not just what we believe, not, which is not just what we know, but what are our actions? How are we actively going out to love God? Uh, and then this week, we're looking at uh, the red quadrant, the heart, how we love the Lord our God with all of our heart. It's not just what we um, do. It's not just what we think. It's not just what we feel. But in the heart quadrant, what we're doing, we've been using this uh, Richard Loveless book, Renewal is a Way of Life, to talk about how we love God in our, uh, our affections. You know, this is, uh, Jonathan Edwards talks a lot about the affections. Like, we should love God. We should love people affectionately. We should love God affectionately, not just because God told me, not just because I'm in relationship with you, I guess I need to love you. Uh, you know, we evangelicals, we love to talk about how emotion should not drive things. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, you know, if there's a train, oh, why would I even get the marker out to act as if I would know how to ride a train? You know, okay, that's pretty good, maybe. Okay, that's a train with smoke. 
possibly, okay? And then, you know, we have all the cars behind it. And so we evangelicals, we like to say that the mind or what we believe is the driver, truth is the driver, and then like the other things are um, emotions and feelings and, you know, I don't know, uh, everything else just sort of follows behind it. And I do believe that's true, right? I mean, truth uh, should drive what, how we, uh, how we go about life. I think we can, if we put emotions in front of it, then we are going to veer off the path. Um, but what I think is hard, and the reason why I'm saying all this, so I think what is really dangerous about this analogy is that it makes it look like emotions and feelings are less important. You know what I'm saying? It makes it feel like truth and mind. It makes it feel like the mind quadrant is the most important and emotions and feelings are less important. We would say all of them are as important as the other ones. Um, you know, if I just said to my wife, uh, you know, I'm going to keep my marital vows and just continue to be your husband just because I took vows about it and that's why, but I don't really feel like it. Do you think she would love me to say that? No, I don't think so, right? <laughs> yeah, I would be sleeping on the couch or much farther away. Yes, and bloodied and bruised, possibly. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. My wife would not do that. Uh, but, you know, affections is important. Affections is important. And so I, I'm spending a lot of time talking about this because this quadrant on the dynamics of spiritual growth, Renewal as a Way of Life, the Richard Loveless book, uh, is is about this uh, affection we have for God and for others. And so if you remember, uh, uh, there are handouts in the back. We're on Lesson 19. If you remember, we did this back in December 12th was the last time we looked at this quadrant, this book. And we started looking at the dynamics of spiritual death. And so I put it on the handout so you don't have to guess. What are the three dynamics of spiritual death? Yes, Karen. Yes. Yeah, A plus, Karen. Yeah, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Thomas Aquinas called these the. Already forgot it, uh, but it doesn't matter. These are like this triumvirate of uh, things that are destroying creation, destroying humanity. Uh, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Uh, Aquinas, I forget what he called them, but he matches this with the Trinity. There's the reason why God acts as a Trinity, because he is in battle with these three things. I don't know if I can go exactly with that, uh, but I think it's a, a great analogy. I mean, these are the three things that are really destroying us. And when we talked about in December 12th, when we talked about chapter three of the book, The Flesh, we learned about how, uh, if you remember, we talked about the shark analogy that, you know, the fin above the water is what we all see, but really there's a terrible uh, monster under the water with sharp teeth. We usually see sin as just the fin above the water, 
but sin actually is this monster underneath. Um, this monster underneath that we don't really see is the thing that's destroying us, this flesh. And when scripture talks about the flesh, not sin, but flesh, when it talks about the flesh, it's talking about you need to put to death this monster. Don't just focus on the fin. You need to put to death this monster, this thing that's inside of us. Uh, we, uh, I keep saying we evangelicals. I mean, I, the, I'm part of that camp, that unaffiliated camp. We evangelicals, we like to, and we'll talk about this, we like to focus on the fin and we miss the monster underneath often. And so let's look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It's in the handout. Can someone read for us Ephesians 2, 1 through 3? Thank you, Avery. Yeah, so the, you are dead in your sins. We talked about that last time. We are dead. This is not something that we can just manage. If you think you can manage your sins, you are sorely mistaken, right? We are dead. Uh, and verses one and, uh, verses 1 and 2, uh, you know, explicitly talk about this flesh, this world, the devil, um, especially one, actually, let me, let me back up. Verses 1 and 3 really talk about how we're dead in sin, this flesh that we talked about last time. But verse 2 that Avery just read pulls out these two other things, right? Following the course of this world, and then what else? The prince of the power of the air. Who is the prince of the power of the air? Yeah, the devil, or I'm just going to write Satan. Yeah, the devil. The devil in scripture has many names. And so, yeah, so they're taught, he talks about it, or the scripture writers talk, use many different titles to describe him. Um, His readers would have heard the prince of the power of the air and knew exactly who they're talking about. Partly because when you have many different titles, when you see something that connects pretty closely to that, Oh, that makes complete sense. That's Satan. That's the devil. That's the adversary. That's the, that's the enemy. Um, so they would have gotten it. They would have gotten it. But I think, actually, you bring a good point, Avery, because they are connected. The world and Satan are very much connected uh, in this line of thinking for Paul. Uh, they're very much connected. Uh, and so uh, in the book, chapter 4 talks about the world and... Um, can someone read for us Romans 12, 1 and 2? And then we're going to get into it. Thank you. Do not be conformed. Is it any longer? Or do not be conformed uh, to this world. 
do not be conformed to this world. What does that mean? What does that mean? Do not be conformed to this world. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So don't be, yeah, don't resemble it. You're being, don't be molded by it. Resemble, mold. Any other thoughts? Do not be conformed anymore to this world. I keep saying anymore. Do not be conformed to this world. What does that mean? Okay. Okay. Keep, keep mind on God. I like that. We should look different. Yeah. Don't get away. Don't get carried away. Uh, Yeah, into the world or with the world. Yeah, yeah. Don't be carried away. Okay, I like that. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Margie. Yes. I, you do that a lot? Yeah. Maybe not golden apples, but yeah, yeah. I had never heard that mythology before, Atalanta, which doesn't sound very positive if you live in Atlanta. Um, uh, But yeah, I also like that analogy as well. Um, Do not be conformed any more to this world. So what is this world? I think, yeah, what do you think the world is that's on the handout? What do you think the world is? It's actually defined by the corporate flesh. Yeah, so Richard Lovelace, uh, he defines the world as corporate flesh. I'll put it over here. Corporate flesh. But before we, I mean, if someone can talk about that if they want to, but um, what do you think about the world? When you hear the term the world, in regards to scripture, in regards to Christianity or whatnot. What do you think of? Prevailing ideas. Prevailing ideas? I like that. Anything else? Um, systems of power. What I mean by that is like, when you read the prophets, like God like, will wreck this powerful king and all his armies and will wreck Tyre and all their systems of economy and stuff and God and you'll wreck the Nile. Yeah. And it's like all these systems of power that people, yeah, economy, military, whatever. Okay. Okay, so systems of power, maybe like uh, specifically power that seems to be set up against God or, or, yeah. or uh, I don't know, not, and maybe not necessarily against, but at least just like a mirror, yeah, compared to God, if you will. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oppression of people being used to set up as more important than God. Yeah. I'm with you. I can. I can understand that. I think it's more general. Just as sort of human race. Okay. Generally, the human race. The redeemed are not conformed to that. They're yeah. Sort of the, the yeah. Right. Okay. And those things are part of it, but I don't think it's particularly ideological or political. It's right. just people. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So just general, generally the world, the human race, like everything that is all of humanity. Okay. All right, John. You. And based on what the panel had just alluded to, it, I, I also could say that the world is, is full of. Uh, we kind of like enslaved to the materialistic ideas, which is, i.e., prevailing ideas, systems yeah. of power, human race. Yeah. So we just kind of in the, we look at the world as a material, enslaved to materials yeah. more than resorting into God's way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I think I'm understanding. Yeah. I mean, we're just. We're in the the materialistic love of possessions and yeah, like that's definitely. I mean, jumping off what Richard said, definitely that's the air that we breathe. Yeah. 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 Just like what you normally do in in all of life is you just pursue the kingdom of man. You right. pursue this world. So before yeah. you even start praying, you look at your cell phone and look yeah. what your emails are getting. What's the yeah. right yeah. to that? So that? Does that make sense? That, yeah, no, that's making sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Pam, you, you had your hand raised. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. No, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. The. Yeah. I mean, the. I like what you're saying. You're saying like, there is so much in the world that is terrifying and scary and seems to be just destroyed. Um, and you're trying to follow the pattern. Uh, you're trying to fight and not be conformed by thinking of what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and so John already brought it out. What, how Richard Lovelace defines the world is it is this corporate flesh. And I think I put, yeah, the quote here. The world can be t- defined as corporate flesh, a pattern of drives and actions resulting from the interrelationship of all the individual flesh in the bulk of humanity. Uh, there's not some, what he means by that, and I, um, I think I can get on board with this, is that what he means by that is this shark, this monster of sin that is in all of us, when we work together, we create systems, as Avery was saying, we create ideas together, uh, all of us are just generally moving in this direction, our sinful flesh working together moves in a direction that ultimately is not away from God. It is away from God. It is not with God. Uh, I think he talks about this, and I agree with this completely, that the world is a distortion of God's created world. It's not new. It's not, it, there's nothing new that God didn't create. There's nothing uh, new that, yeah, that God didn't create. It is a distortion of it or it's a twisting, distortion, or it's a twisting of God's creation. I mean, I just think of like those trees by, uh, uh, by the beaches that you see have just spun around uh, and just sort of like way, are dis- distorted and twisted by storms or waves or winds or hurricanes or whatever it may be. 
those trees are not the way they're supposed to be. They're twisted. They're distorted. They are, uh, they are not following the pattern that God had for them. A tree should be just beautiful, you know, whatever a tree should look like. But when it's all twisted up and distorted, it's still the same tree. It's just not the way God created it to be, right? And so what Loveless does in his chapter um, for a good bit is to talk about, um, uh, you know, he's writing this book in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, which is in the peak of the Cold War. And who, who were the big enemies during the Cold War? Yeah, yeah, Russia and communism and socialism and, uh, and then capitalism and democracy. Now, we've moved beyond that, right? No, we haven't, right? No, we haven't. It is interesting to read it. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're talking about different things, but it applies to, to this day. Um, I was just had a conversation on the men's retreat with one of the men that's on the retreat that as, was actually bummed that he couldn't be here today because he read this chapter and he really didn't like it. Uh, he really didn't like it because uh, he... I don't want to put words into his mouth. He and I are going to talk later about it. He's actually going to listen to this audio. He's like, I'm going to listen to your audio, Joe, and then we're going to talk about it. So I'm talking to you right now. Um, and uh, I believe that his big thing is uh, he doesn't want to, s- I, I, don't want to, I don't want to put words into his mouth, so I'm not going to say. I'm just going to say that It is hard when you have these ideas, thank you for saying prevailing ideas, corporate flesh is in many ways, the world is many ways, these ideas that people work together to create that are not necessarily anti-Christian, but they're just the way we work together. Um, I believe this man really likes one of the ideas. Let's say it's, for example, capitalism. I'm not saying it is, but like capitalism. Um, we here are, live in the United States of America. Are we capitalists? Vehemently. Yeah. <laughs> Vehemently. Yeah, no, we are capitalists. Like that's, that's our nation is a, is, uh, built on the economic system of capitalism. Um, and what is good about capitalism? Free market. Free market. People can grow according to the work that they put into it. Absolutely. Yeah. What else is good about it? Individual opportunity. Individual opportunity. Creative. Yeah, you can be creative. Yeah, yeah. Innovations. Yes, I love this. Yeah, this is like uh, God work. God is the great creator, gives us the ability to create. And we, we have the ability in the economic system we live in to uh, be able to innovate and create and to design and to grow and to build and provide jobs and, you know, all that stuff. That is great. I, I'm Legitimately, that's great. What is a potential pitfall to unchecked capitalism? Yeah. But it can also pit people against people, like trying to climb the right, right. Yeah, Margie, I, I think I think I, I'm I'm agree. I understand and I agree with you. There is 
Now, competition can be a good thing. Um, it can be a good thing because it just it, it, it encourages you to keep working and keep moving and innovating and thinking and creating. But I think what you're getting at is uh, unchecked free market capitalism uh, has the easy potential to crush those that lose. And also right? Taking you away it's from God. It, 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 it. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the love of money, the love of money instead of the love of God. Yes, I'm, w I'm with you. John, what were you no, saying? I was just saying, like, the pitfall of it is just very simple. Um, it, when, when it's unchecked, it creates a vacuum or it's elevated greed. Yeah, it elevates greed. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're saying exactly what Marcia said. Yeah, it, it really does in many ways. Unchecked free market capitalism could elevate greed. It could just make it all about the pursuit of money, all about the pursuit of whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, yeah, we're all working together. Um, yes, this, um, uh, yeah, you're complicit in uh, maybe bad behavior, if not illegal, immoral, unethical behavior, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, we could go on for a while. I don't want to spend too much time just bashing on capitalism. Because, hold on, hold on, we're going to get to it, we're going to get to it. Something simple here. Um, we have been saying in Africa that it's actually uh, uh, alluded to what we just talked about. It is when elephant fights, the grass suffers. Yeah, when the elephant fights, the grass suffers. Yeah, and I, th I think there is an unchecked free market capitalism. Uh, that is a potential downfall. There are other things we could say about it, but that is not not my point. What I'm, my point is is that this is an idea, right? Capitalism is an idea. And there is sin in that idea. What's the opposite idea in economic? Communism. Yeah, communism, right? Yeah. And is as equally corrupt as yeah, so what's of Google or whatever. I mean, it's the same power structure. Yeah. So, like, Karen, I know, hold on. Sorry. I know you're such a pro-capitalist, Karen, I know. <laughs> now, what's, what's good about communism? About the theory of communism, what's good? Everybody gets treated the same. <laughs> Don't hear the tone in what, what he said. But, yeah, what's good is that everyone... Uh, think that's good. Yeah, everyone gets treated the same. Yeah, yes, yes. In theory, the idea of communism, that people are flourishing, not just uh, corporations and businesses, not just what you're producing. It sees people. 
Margie, I, I, I agree. Karen? We're going to get to the bad part. We're going to get to the bad part. I just want to say what is good about communism, and then we're going to get to the bad, okay? I'm going to give you a chance. What else is good? <laughs> yeah. Fewer people getting, like, crushed at the bottom. Um, yeah. Like, like, you can get caught in the wheels of capitalism yeah. and communism. You're, I, you know. like, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I think Karl Marx looked at a capitalist society and saw people being crushed down at the bottom. And he had an idea that other people agreed with that I want to help the people down here that are being crushed. In his own humanistic, secular way, he thought, here's an idea to help the poor and the downtrodden. I know we're all Americans. We think that's a bad idea. Or we, we don't think it works. But I think we can agree that that ultimate idea is a good thing, right? Can we agree that caring for the poor is a good idea? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. No, but his, idea, his basic idea at the core was, I want to elevate these people down here. No? You don't think so? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His intention, yeah, whether, you, yeah, let's take Karl Marx out of it then. Let's take that, the individual Karl Marx. I don't know. I don't know him. These people, that many people are being crushed in one way, and this would be an idea to try to help it. Yeah. The question isn't how has it worked. Yeah. It's not an economic Yeah. So what's, so what's bad about communism? So just so we can move on. What's bad about it? The poor really are not helped. I mean, you the poor are not, Yeah. Yeah. Suffering. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I just can't. Mm. It doesn't work. That's. I mean. That's. That's one idea. Yes. Yeah. Or that's one bad thing about it. What. What else is bad, Karen? Yeah, no, Karen, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Margie? I want to add to that without acting like I'm disagreeing or uh, taking away from what you're saying. But I think that's also true here in America and capitalism. You have people at the bottom, you know, picking up trash in McDonald's, and they're not being paid very well. So 
It's that same kind of sadness in our system. Yeah. And I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm I, not trying to, you know, but... No, I, no uh, Margie, I, I, I love what you're saying. I think what I'm trying to get at in this discussion is uh, we're in America. We're, we're pro-free market capitalists. Like, that's what all of us are. Like, we like it. We like capitalism, and it works. Uh, we see the evil of communism. Because I'm, I'm right there with you, Karen. Like, I see that and experience it deeply. Both, I'm going to say something. This is the most controversial thing I'll say. Both of these are, I'm not, uh, are ideas that are humanistic attempts for human flourishing. They're not from scripture. I'm not saying they're anti-scripture. I'm not saying they're anti-Christian. I probably would argue that communism in and of itself is actually evil. I think I would argue that. Capitalism is not, but it can be used for evil. These are humanistic. And when I say humanistic, I mean they are in this closed system of an idea that is the world that is our attempts to flourish humanity, to love humanity. That is, these are our ideas to grow and to do all of these things maybe, uh, to do what we've been created to do, to be this flourishing tree and yet, both of these ideas left in and of themselves will fail, right? Now, we don't have to go any further into whether capitalism and communism are even equal, uh, but there are still ideas that are used uh, to, for the flourishing of humanity. And so, Yeah, the world, the wor I, I agree with you, the world is by itself uh, not pointed towards Christ. It's not pointed towards God. It is in an attempt in this humanistic circular world where everything is closed, there is no God, we are in here in creation by ourselves and we are trying to flourish individually without God. This, in my mind, is what this world is. It is this, uh, he, he calls it the corporate flesh. It is this uh, attempt in humanity by ourselves, kind of what you're saying, Margie, without God to flourish, to grow. And if we're doing it without God, we will fail. Um, the quote I put on this handout from page 87 of the book is, uh, the problem of enculturation, and we don't have time to go into it, but being conformed to this world from Ephesians is we are enculturated. And he talks about two different ways that we're enculturated. Destructive enculturation, which is um, this, uh, this evil working outside of ourselves and outside of the church, and protective enculturation. So what are, what, what's an example of destructive enculturation? Does that make sense? I, di didn't, I didn't take any time right now to explain it, but uh, if, for those that read the book, does anybody have an idea of what uh, destructive enculturation is? Is it allowing the world, whatever the worldly 
Yeah. 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 It is. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever is capitalism, I guess communism, I don't know how that works, but you could use the advertising in a godly way. I'm not going to advertise this way, or I'm not going to do this practice, right. or I'm not right. going to do that practice. Obviously, that doesn't solve the whole corruption of anything, but yeah. as believers, we can use the yeah. tools that are in front of us, I guess, in our imperfect as yeah. yeah. to be godly and to, so, to try and move the ball forward with flourishing, but we're doing it. Way, even yeah. The tools us. yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think so. It is this this world outside. I'm going to erase this just so it doesn't freak anybody else out. Like the um, the uh, it is this destructive enculturation is this world outside, and it's these ideas that are out here, and this is us. Just writing us. Uh, these are the ideas outside that are coming in and that destroy us in our ability to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These ideas can be an idea such as you do you. You do you. You just you do whatever you want to do. Like you, if it feels good, you should do it. That is an idea in core, um, sounds good, but is still this selfish, prideful, I know better than God, right? Um, what else is another uh, worldly idea? Take care of yourself first. Okay, take care of yourself first. What do you mean by that? Well, Paul says to consider others better than yourself. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you have to take care of yourself. I, I'm not saying you don't, but... Margie, you're right. You, yeah, you're right. When you love yourself more than you love others. Okay, yeah. Okay, you have to love yourself more yeah. than you love others. Yeah. I find that kind of, I don't know, I'm not sure. Yeah. You have to love I don't go with it either. What are some other outside worldly ideas like that? Yeah. Your yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about the self. It's all about us. Like these are the ideas that sort of definitely pull in these these that come from the world that are destroying us from the outside. Um, Yeah. Which in one way is good to maximize your potential. And in another yeah. way, if it's contrary to serving the Lord, then that's not really all you can be. Yeah. It was almost, it was almost put to what everybody else is saying to the point of you don't yeah. want yourself. Yeah. You whatever yeah. elevates you to the highest point. Yeah, absolutely. It's all, yeah. Thank you for saying that. What is one of the destructive. Uh, protective enculturations. These are the things, this worldly ideas that we put on ourselves. They don't come from outside. These are not ideas that come from outside. Again, it's all still this fleshly monster. So it's not a good thing. It is all this fleshly monster. Uh, These are the fleshly ideas that are outside. Uh, What are the fleshly ideas that come from inside? 
Now, all, all that we just described can fill into that as well, but it's also these things of, well, as, as you can be a good Christian if you don't do this, yeah. right? Yeah. Can I like and it gets like the focus is yeah. like yeah, it just gets really diverted yeah. with these behavioral taboos that when yeah. you go to another place, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm dressing so yeah. different from everyone else, and it's not necessarily yeah. like I'm not sure it's saying there's no place for that, but it's like there are a lot of behavioral taboos. Yeah, yeah. On the men's retreat that I just came from, there were some men that smoked cigars. Is that good or bad? Okay. Depends on the cigar. There was some men that smoked cigarettes. Is that better or worse? Emotionally, it feels worse, but I'm not sure. I don't think it actually. Okay. Okay. I'll let you decide. I'll let you decide whether that's good or bad. These are these protective fleshly ideas that come from the inside. This world. Yeah. But the Puritans or our ancestors of Christianity had those lines between what is okay and what is not. And now we're so much like the world that yes, you can do that. Yes, and I'm not. I don't want to put legalism into Christianity, but we don't have the same things to guide us that they did. In the interest of time, I'm going to move on, but let's talk about that later. I, I, want, to, I want to understand what you're saying, but I don't, uh, I don't know if I do. But in all of this, in all of this world, there are, and this is how I'll, uh, we only have 15 more minutes, is that there is, uh, I, my, one of my favorite books is St. Augustine's The City of God. You should all read it. Um, it's a great book. And in it, he talks about these two worlds that are battling, these two cities, the city of God, or actually he calls, he doesn't call it, he calls it mostly the heavenly city and the earthly city. And they are at battle. And he traces it back from Genesis 1 all the way through all of scripture that these are the two things at battle uh, with one another. And I still think this falls under the category of the world. Um, this is, these are the two cities that are at battle in the church, let me just ask you, which in, actually, let's make it real personal, in West End Presbyterian Church, which city are we? Those cities are at battle. <laughs> That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah. All right, so you're not. We are not wholly, not. Yeah. Sounds like somebody's read Romans 7. Yeah. <laughs> I just, and you don't, you, we don't know the heart of every person in yeah. worship every day. And we, I mean, we are living in this world and yeah. trying to serve God. I, I don't think that it would be fair to say we are yeah. holy either. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of like I, that um, adage, you know, it's, it, we're, we're a hospital. You know, it's like, you know, we're, we're a, a place 
Right. Yeah, but I think um, this is right, that we're not, but we're aspiring. I mean, we're sort of unapologetically aspiring to the heavenly, maybe a bit mm-hmm. more than yeah. we would even, and maybe even more than in our individual hearts. That's the yeah. blessing of, the, of yeah. the corporate body of Christ, is that yeah. we come here and you tell me that's sin. Yeah. We need to yeah. repent of it. That happens more, it's almost the opposite of the corporate flesh thing. It happens yeah. more if we're all together. Yeah. But we are a mixed bag. Yeah. I mean, you know, we are sort of one person telling the other person, there's the doctor, you need yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I think we're all on the same page. We are a mixed bag. What's really hard about that is that this term of enculturation, what does it mean to be the aspiring heavenly city? We are not the heavenly city. What does it mean to be the people of God and not become more like the world, not become more like the earthly city. And that is the struggle of the people of God over and over and over again. We just talked about the prophets. This is what the prophets talked about was you should be, you know, not WPC, but the people of God, uh, you should be more like Jerusalem. You should be more like that. And yet you go after your uh, idols. You go after, I mean, the prophets usually say you whore after uh, your adulteresses, um, but instead you should go after your true God, your true love, your first love. And this is the struggle that we are all in. Every single one of us, we feel it inside our hearts, this, this flesh that's inside of us, but also it is this world that works together for ideas that uh, when we create these ideas, we desire to be more like the heavenly city. Uh, and yet you and I uh, oftentimes... Uh, fail because of who is this guy? The enemy. <laughs> the enemy. Yeah, the enemy. Uh, th- we don't have to spend too much time on him, on Satan, the enemy. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that uh, I just liked his quote. I put it on the handout. How far will a gardener get who's embarrassed to talk about bugs? Um, because we in, you know, we're, we're advanced people. We shouldn't talk about an actual, uh, an actual being, an actual enemy, a spiritual being, not an idea, not a force. You know, he's not just some like ghost. He's not just some like general idea of badness. He's not any of that. What we say is that Satan is a true, real spiritual being Satan uh, the devil the accuser uh, the adversary whatever you want to call him uh, he is a true real being I put on here Ephesians 6 10 through 20 Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing but I do want to read uh, verses 11 and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do, not res- we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, scripture talks often about this heavenly being. Satan is... Uh, the king, or as the verse we read at the very beginning, uh, the spirit, uh, the prince of the power of the air, 
Uh, Satan is the prince of the earthly city. Satan is the prince of the earthly city, and the prince of our heavenly city is Jesus, right? Um, and I think Loveless does a great job, and uh, we put on, I put on here these, what, what I've summarized is like these five, uh, not the only five activities that Satan does, but his five most common characteristic strategies, and I feel this in my own life every second of my life, maybe not every second, but, but often, definitely every day. Uh, temptation, Satan is our tempter. Um, he is enticing believers into isolated acts of sin. Uh, he's, he wants believers to be destroyed uh, by tempting, right? We see that in uh, the fall of Adam and Eve. We see that in Matthew 4.3. Uh, this, uh, Satan, the tempter, is tempting us. Uh, he tempted Jesus on the, in the desert, and he, attempt, he tempts us today. Um, he accuses us. And actually, when I was thinking about this this week, I think this is the one that gets me most. This is the one that gets me personally most. And I, I, maybe, maybe for most of us, uh, he doesn't just accuse us and he says he uh, whispers in my ear uh, and his minions maybe whisper in my ear uh, to say that Joe you are not a child of God Joe you are a liar Joe you are a what you know whatever you are you you are defined by your sin because you sinned uh, you will not be forgiven these are the things that he accuses me but also at the same time he stands before the throne of God and accuses me and accuses me as, well, he's not worthy of being forgiven. He's not worthy of being loved. Uh, he is the accuser. Um, it is evil, evil, evil. Uh, he is deceiver. He is the liar. He deceives, deceives the whole world, Revelation 12, 9. Um, he deceives us. He lies. I mean, anytime, uh, anytime one of your kids lies, you can say, stop following your father, Satan because he is the liar. I'm just kidding. You don't say that. You don't have to say that. Uh, but you, you, you don't, you know, it wouldn't be that bad. Um, and then we read in scripture over and over again, especially in the gospels about Jesus, about people being possessed. Uh, we in America would say that doesn't happen, right? We don't like to talk about that, uh, but it does happen. And especially in countries where uh, possession actually is uh, more of a deceiver and more of a uh, and a, uh, a tempter to larger societies, Satan will possess uh, to deceive and lure in more folks. I am of the opinion that Satan doesn't generally, and his minions generally don't possess a lot of people in the United States and in the Western world, not because he doesn't love, uh, not because he, uh, God loves us more, whatever that, but I think because Satan knows that that actually wouldn't steer a lot of people away. He knows what would be a better way to steer people away in the Western world is these fleshly ideas or uh, these worldly temptations of money. Like, I think that's the way Satan thinks about things. Um, and, and then, and hold on, and then lastly, he does, you know, I, I think it's important to know, demonic agents cause illness. Um, there are... Uh, I, I think there are actual cases of folks who 
are uh, caused harm through uh, the spiritual work of Satan and his minions, um, these real, true spiritual beings. Do I believe that there are, psycholo- there are true psychological things that are not demonic attacks? Yes, right? Yes. Don't hear me saying that all psychological problems are uh, demonic activity, but I think we would be uh, amiss if we just said that uh, the enemy doesn't also attack us physically. Uh, that happens. Hold on, because I, I want to make sure that we hear this, because this is so important when we talk about Satan, that uh, I only have a few minutes, so I want you to hear this. This is so important, okay? This is what Scripture has to say about Satan. We do not live in a cartoon, and in the cartoons that I watched, as a kid, there was on Fred Flintstone's shoulders, there was what on one side and what on the other? Yeah, there was an angel over here and there is a devil over here. And both of them are whispering into our ears and we should be smart and listen to the angel. Fred usually listened to the devil uh, and hijinks ensued. Okay, that's funny, that's great, and that is so wrong. That is so wrong. That is not the way it works, okay? It is super important to hear that Satan, yes, is the prince of the earthly city. Jesus, yes, is the prince of the heavenly city. But they are not equal. They are not equal. If you had to give Satan an equal, I'm just going to race on it. If you had to give Satan an equal, it would be Archangel Michael or Gabriel, or whoever, you know, other archangels like that. Did I, what? What did I do? Satan equals. Oh, Satan equals, oh, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. There's no picture in the recording. There's no picture in the recording. Satan equals Michael. That is not true. If you had to give him an equal, who is over all of them? Yeah, Jesus, God, is over all of them. Uh, And when Jesus died on the cross, he put Satan like a dog. Oh, that's terrible. He put a chain around Satan and chained him to the dirt. You've you've seen that. You've seen dogs chained uh, to where they are. Satan is still alive. He is a true, real spiritual being. He is chained to the dirt. And Jesus died to chain him up. And what will happen to this true, real spiritual being at the end of time? He will be completely destroyed. His, it's done, right? I mean, the battle's over. The victory is won. Jesus wins. There is no angel devil tempting us like that. That is not the way it works. Satan is the tempter, but he is chained and he will ultimately lose and he will be destroyed. He has lost and he will ultimately be destroyed. Uh, I don't have time, but I think it's really great to read. If you have time, you should read Revelation 12 through 14. And when we do our Bible survey and we get to Revelation, I'm going to talk specifically about those three chapters uh, because I think it's a really cool chapter about Satan and what happened to him in the past and what is going to happen to him in the future. So Revelation 12 through 14. I know I've just dumped a lot of stuff. But I'm over, and i got to pray. So let me pray for us. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that your victory is won. We thank you that your victory is won. I pray for my brothers and sisters now, especially when we stand and we go through life and we are accused and we are lied about or lied to as Satan works against us. I pray for my brothers and sisters and for myself as well that this true, real, spiritual battle that we are in, that you give us the faith, like you said in Ephesians, to stand firm, to stand firm with the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Give us this armor and give us this power to stand firm in the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shoof. All right. Next week, we're going to talk about the uh, we're going to talk more about ideas, uh, and we're going to talk about some of these ideas as they filter into the world, into the church, gospel and race and the church, and how these interact. We're going to talk about ideas, and that'll be a good thing. So read the gospel and race paper, and come back next week, and we'll talk about it. Now we're done. <laughs>